Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. It may not be Friday where you are, but it's Friday where I am. So let's just close our eyes and pretend it's Friday wherever you are. I'm very excited for you to listen to this interview today. Garen Jones is my new best friend. I get a new best friend about once a month. And it's not that I trade in the old best friends, but I just add them to the best friend list. (laughs) But he is just, you're going to love him. He is a wonderful heart and soul and being and presence. And his story really resonated with me. It's every once in a while, I will interview someone and I will feel their words, their story, their connection, like in my body, in my gut, in my heart, my palms will sweat. And my pits sweat. I always joke about, oh, gosh, my pits are sweating. But <laughs> but I, it's that sort of impact. Those are the guests. Those are the stories that I think really make a difference. So Garen Jones, he dealt with homelessness for two and a half years, living out of his car, feeling like he was drowning in misery. And he also spent two and a half years in prison. Yet going through those difficulties, he found a way to turn his life around. So his story is a perfect example of how you can go through difficult things but it doesn't mean that you'll never find success. It doesn't mean that you'll never grow. It doesn't mean that you're dead in, inside and it's just hopeless. Health and fitness played such a big role in his life. And once he started to feel different, he started to think, speak, and act differently. And his actions changed based on how he was feeling. So we had an amazing conversation. It led where it went, like most of my podcasts do. And I am grateful for it because I think I often tell my guests right before we record that I don't prep questions. And this may be funny for anyone that's listened for a long time. When I have a guest on, I sit in front of my computer with a piece of paper with their name on it. And that's it. I don't have, and maybe the name of their book, just so I don't flub that, or the name of their podcast or whatever. Um, But I don't prepare questions because I think to truly have a good conversation that is beneficial to my listeners is to really pay attention and listen to where it goes. And this is one of those conversations that I feel like the universe was like, okay, this is where we're going today, everyone. Hold on. Let's go. So here you go. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with Garen Jones. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm Meredith Atwood and very excited about our guest today. Garen Jones is here. Hello. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited to talk to you. So I first heard about you on Tom Billy's podcast mm-hmm. and he led off saying you have one of the greatest rags rags to riches stories. And mm-hmm. I thought, I wonder if Garen likes that. <laughs> I wonder if he likes yeah. that term. 
Um, and so that was like where I was like, that's the first question I'm going to ask him because I don't have any associations with it. But I remember when people would say, well, you're just such a great example of someone who was like so out of shape and now you've got it yeah. all figured out. And it's like, I don't yeah. know. I, I kind of cringe a little at the sharp comparison to who we were yeah, and who we are because it's like the same person, but it's just mindset and things that mm-hmm. change. So anyway, what do you think about that? Well, intro, I, lo- Rags to Riches? I love, I, I love the differentiation from where I was to where I am now, though I am the same person, the context is completely different. Rags to rich riches. I don't really relate to because I thought, even though I didn't have any money, I used to have this terminology and the name of my email used to be rich broke. So in my <laughs> mind, I was like, I'm, I'm rich in thought and broken pocket. <laughs> and I just manifested having no, no money, but I, I never really related to rags to riches and I never related to, you know, used to came from nothing. And now it's something I was like, no, I've never been a nothing. I just yeah. wasn't aware and you can't change what you're not aware of. So with this newfound awareness, I just discovered more of myself. So, you know, I just, even though I didn't relate, I can understand how other people that are in that space, which I often make it about, can actually relate. So I just released that. (laughs) Got it. Got it. And I thought you might say that. Um, Okay. So let's tell the listeners, some people may have never heard of you. So let's give them the quick and dirty, like, where did you come from? What's this journey been like that has led you to where you are today? When you say, where did you come from? I know this is (laughs) it. This, this is Where did you um, come from? <laughs> yeah, no, but this was like a um, was it a squirrel moment? Because you, when you're like, "Where did you come from?" I was like, "Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from?" <laughs> but um, um, you know, I I'll, I'll start back nine years nine years ago. I was living in my car, um, but at that time, I was living in my car for two and a half years, a little bit over two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Um, didn't have a relationship with, with my daughter, my mom, people in my, in my family. And I just pretty much closed myself off to life. And at the time I just wasn't aware of what I was doing to myself, but I blamed everybody else. And, you know, I tried to take my life twice and it just got so deep and dark and I was depressed and stressed out. And then one day it was August 2011 at 3.43 in the morning and all of that came to a head and I just just cried out. And I was like, okay, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people. I just want to inspire people and I want to make a bunch of money, but I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in that I would do for free. And I'd never said any of these words before in my life. It just was this moment where as I could, this was the furthest I could go with the way that I was thinking. And I didn't know that. And a week later, I'm at a gas station with my last $2. And the funny thing was gas at that time in LA was $4 and 59 cents. So I couldn't even get a gallon. Right. And, uh, a homeless guy walks up to me and asks me for money. And I said, you have more money than me. Cause he had a lot of money. And he said, change your mindset, change your life. 
And it was something about those words, but it, it wasn't the words. It was the energy that behind that was behind the words. It just was like, change your mindset, change your life. And I said to myself, so if my mind is set on something, but that's why the result is what it is. So if I do different with the same circumstance, then my life will change. But here's the caveat. Never before in my life would I ever even listen to a homeless person. So it was almost like life had to strip mm. all the things uh, around me that I gave power away to the point where I was so humbled that I could take a lesson even from a homeless guy, which I now realize that a lesson can come from anything and anyone if you allow yourself to receive it. And sometimes it can be right. deceiving, but at that moment, there was nothing I gave power to and I was just stripped down to what I call me. Right. And that's when I got the message and completely transform my life from that day forward. It's been nine years. Wow. I think yeah. it's interesting how when you said at 343 in the morning, you just cried out, like basically yeah. your inter internal needs, wants, just like from the gut, right? From the core of you. Ah, this is what I need. And I had a very similar moment. I'm five years sober. And I had a moment where I was Congratulations. in the parking lot. Thank you. Um, yeah. and, and I had a moment like that, that just came from deep within like God, a voice, whatever. And it was like, you're going to be dead in a year if you don't change. Yeah. And I heard it so clear and it was just there. It was like, matter of fact, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. This is happening to you. And that was the moment. And I had everything looked great on paper up to that point, but like everything inside was dark and everything was mm, you know, hard. And so yeah, I had right. everything on paper, the SUV, the kid, the house in the suburbs, the 2.5 kids. And I was miserable. Right. And so those moments, I, I think, you know, people talk about rock bottom, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you got to hit rock bottom. I was not at rock bottom. I was certainly climbing on my way down. I was circling yeah. the drain as I've heard. Yeah. But it is that stripping away of, you know, our ego, of, of the things, the possessions that are in the way, the beliefs that don't serve us, that allow us to hear. But in yeah. your experience, how do we get to that voice or that intuition or the idea, hey, we can change our mindset and change our life without climbing down to rock bottom, without falling, without ending up living in your car, without drinking yourself near to death? Like, how do you tap into that voice before the rock bottom? Well, what I know now right. is, you know, the, the way to compress time frames is learning how to quiet your mind. And, and, and that I feel, and what I've learned in my own life, I can't speak for everyone else, but in my own life was that voice was always there. And sometimes I, I would say, Oh, this little voice. Well, maybe it's actually not a little voice, but if you put your hand over your mouth and you yell, but whenever you uncover your hand, it's actually really loud. <laughs> so maybe right. that small voice is actually not a small voice. So when you remove the things that you give power to or that you're distracted by, 
and you learn how to remove certain things that aren't serving you, the voice actually gets louder. So what I've learned through meditation, through prayer, through quiet time, or sometimes when the universe is like, yo, I tried to get your attention 20 times, so maybe I need to be abrasive enough because the only way I can get your attention is through your heart. Um, I've learned that the voices are always there trying to direct you in a specific direction. And when we go against it, then that's when it shows up louder um, for my own life. And so meditation allows you to be inside of your own, like really be inside of your own body. And if you don't, if you're not a fan of meditation, of prayer, but even quiet time, even just quiet, just sitting there and breathing, all of a sudden thoughts just start. Thoughts feel safe enough to come out. I'll just put it to you like that. You ever seen a little kid that's behind a mom's leg <laughs> and they don't feel safe enough to come out? So they got their thumb and they're about, I feel that thoughts when they're not met with emotional closure, when they're not met with acknowledgement, thoughts do the same thing as little kids. Mm -hmm. So if it, so, if a thought hasn't been met, like a little kid with, you know, good job, Johnny, or something like that, they don't feel safe to come out. So they'll just do that. And then here's what we do. We distract ourselves with TV, with food, with this, and distract, distract. And this is why people have such a hard time in a pandemic because people don't know how to be with themselves and meet with me and losing myself. That's where I found myself. Right. When I, when I went to prison and going to prison, I discovered freedom. Why? Because it removed all the things that I gave power to so that I could be reminded of everything that I was looking for was actually me. Right. It was actually me. It was me the whole time. I'm looking for this and this girl. I'm looking for this, this money, this opportunity. But it was the self of, I was trying to fulfill an empty hole because it was me that should have been, that got to, had the opportunity to fulfill myself. Right. So ultimately, that's what it came down to. Why do you think we don't want to take that approach? Why don't we want to say it's all inside me or this is 100% my responsibility? Why? Because we're not taught that, right? Mm. You know, I, and I think it's, you know, this much is the rabbit hole conversation. I think that what we learn in school and you don't learn emotional intelligence. They have the same school program as they had a long time ago, but you change phones, housing structures, styles, music and everything. We got the same school program. But meanwhile, we've got the top 1% wealthy in the world and the rest will die trying to figure it out. But everything that we learn is domesticated from childhood. Oh yeah, well, kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, maybe in the home system and the education system, it's training people how to be in the average mindset, but they don't teach emotional intelligence. For some reason, I have no idea because when you get in the real world and you don't know how to handle rejection, depression, and all these different things, I think that people just aren't aware. So by the time they learn, 
right now you and I speak English. Well, imagine we speak English and this is our first language our whole life. And then somebody hands you a book on Japanese and says, how come you don't speak Japanese? Well, I never learned Japanese. So how would you have to learn it? Immerse yourself in the practice of that language. So you'd have to immerse yourself in the practice of understanding personal responsibility. Yeah. And that yeah. sucks. <laughs> hard. Like, hard. Super like, hard. Like, I mean, I remember the phrase. And it's interesting because I've always considered myself very much like taking responsibility. I'm not a victim. I'm blah, blah, blah. And like the last year I was like, oh, no, I'm like seriously a victim. Like I put myself in that mentality. And it's interesting because it's like a kind of a um, quiet culprit. It's like, oh, how can I like secretly feel sorry for myself that I, my yep. book didn't hit the bestseller list? And, and, and it's then really justify it. Justify it or <laughs> like make a mess. Like this is my favorite. Like I will throw a grenade into a situation and then I'll go clean it up. So I'm like a victim of my own grenade. And then I'm the hero of the story yep. for cleaning it up, you know? And so like, yes. So really understand. Oh my God, look what she did. Wow. And then justify yourself inside of the recognition of the mess that you know, deep down inside you made. Right. And so, you know, I would have said two years ago, and that's part of sobriety. So anyone that's like getting sober from drugs, alcohol, porn, food, whatever, like the emotional sobriety that comes that you have to do that work. The reason that took you to the addiction in the first place that's where you figure out, oh, I could throw grenades. Oh, I, you know, cause my own drama and fix it. And I just was a victim. I was a victim of my own grenades, my own situations. And to come to terms with that and be like, oh, this is all mine. You know, all of it, all 41 years of it. I was like, but then it's like, when that settles, you go, thank God, this is all mine. Let's get moving. Yeah. <laughs> because then you feel empowered. Yes. Like for a moment, mm-hmm. you you think, oh, well, now I'm really going to die because this is all my fault. But there's a difference, right? Between this is my fault and this is my responsibility, right? Yes. The distinction is completely different and the results are completely different. Yeah. 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 So I love- do you have any grenades in mind that you threw? <laughs> is that not Man, your style? Listen, no, no. I, I threw them all. And I justified them all. And I enrolled people into my justifiable belief. And I, and then I took sides. I made them take my side based off of something I knew deep down inside I was doing, even when I wasn't aware. But when I became aware, then I played the game of my own demise. So I would say my health, women, money, business opportunities, every single thing you can think of. And I remember saying, oh, it's my dad, it's my this, it's my daughter's mom, it's my skin color, it's the president of the United States, it's the weather, it's the that. I'm like, yo. And one day I said, I blamed everybody, but the only person I've never blamed was actually myself. And I remember the exact day I said, you know what? I can't actually do anything about any of those people out there. But what can I do different about myself? And I started talking to myself different. I'm like, what can I do different? I'm like, you know what? I've been eating fatty foods my whole life. What would it be like if I practiced a healthy, active lifestyle? Because everything is a practice. Right. If I practice that. 
I've been chasing women and at clubs for the last 15 years. What would happen if I practice staying at home? What would happen if I practice going to these free seminars that people keep talking about? <laughs> this is where all the nuggets were in the areas right. of life that were the opposite of everything I would normally do in areas of my life where I wasn't happy. So because of all of those opposites, well, the opposite of a shitty life is actually an extraordinary life. Right. But I never would have known that if I would have kept going, but you know, you don't understand, but you don't know what it's like, but you don't know it was this, it was that, it was that. I'm like, oh, so on the other side of that, walking through that little Alice in Wonderland door, but it's too small, but it's, but it wasn't until she walked through the door, all of a sudden the door shaped to fit the size of her. And on the other side of that was Wonderland. There's Wonderland on the other side of every excuse you make. And that's called the door to more. Wow. Yes. And you raise an excellent point too, that when you accept responsibility, you begin to be curious because yeah. you said like, what would happen if I tried this? What would happen yes. if I tried this? And I noticed in like my coaching clientele, like when I get people at different levels, the ones that are super, okay, I accept responsibility. Now, what are we going to do? Like the curiosity is huge. And I'm like, Hey, why don't you try this today? And they're like, okay. And they're like, that was terrible. What else you got? You know? Um, but there's this willingness, right. To try yes. it's not even about failure because sometimes the things that we ask I, like as coaches for people to try, is not a big deal. I'm like, Hey, why don't you just not eat gluten today and see how you feel? And people are like, oh, I don't know that's that. so hard. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so I see where we are. Um, can you not eat gluten for breakfast? But there's there's this whole responsibility plus curiosity, right? I mean, mm -hmm. asking what if I tried this? And so why are people, aside from the fact like, okay, maybe they have an accepted responsibility, but what other yeah. fears are there? What are we afraid of? Why won't we try things? Why won't we like just step out and try to something different? I'm going to share a story that I had a huge awareness uh, when I was in a deep meditation. And uh, this could possibly support a lot of people. But when you listen to my story, I invite you not to listen to it as if it's me, but just think about your own life. And this is speaking to everybody out there. So when I was four years old, and this has to do with decision and why I was afraid. When I was four years old, there are two events that happened in my life that made a massive impact that I created stories around that literally those stories lived throughout my life for the next 30 years. So when I was four years old, there was a grown man for anybody out there that has kids. Imagine this. There was a grown man. And I, I was, I was in my apartment complex that says, Hey, do you want to go to Disneyland? You tell a four-year-old kid, I'm like, yeah. And my mom wasn't around. My dad wasn't around. I just, it was like at the bottom of the stairs in the apartment complex. He says, if you get into that dryer, which is a community dryer, if you get into that dryer, you'll go to Disneyland. And I remember saying to myself, this doesn't make sense, but I want to go to Disneyland. But I'm also told, listen to older people. Well, imagine a grown man picking up a four-year-old baby, putting him in the community dryer and closing it and trying to kill him. 
my, what I now know is my intuition. I didn't trust it. Mm. And because I didn't trust it, I almost died. And someone lady ran out of the apartment, her apartment building, no clothes on and saved my life. So, cause she had saw the whole thing happening. So there were several things that happened. I made a decision and I almost died. I trusted and I almost died. I went against my intuition and I almost died. So from that point on, whether I, whether I was conscious of it or not, making a decision without enough evidence is associated with death. Mm. Trusting is associated with death. Trusting men is associated with death. Trusting adults is associated with death. That's it. That's one. Number two, same age. My mom and dad were splitting up. My mom says, Hey, pick which parent you want to go with at four. Just imagine I choose my dad because he was the nicer of the two. And what I now know is my intuition said, stop the car, go with mom, go with mom. And so I said, stop the car. I want to go with mom. I want to go with mom. And I remember we were driving away. Dad stopped the car, drove back. I didn't know that eight years later, my father would be murdered. Well, guess who I blamed for my dad's murder? Myself, because if I would have said yes and gone with whatever I was going to do in the beginning, I trusted my intuition and someone else died. So three things happened. I made a decision. It was associated with death. I trusted it was associated with death. So decision was no longer a decision. I was a deer caught in the headlights up until three years ago. I'm almost 42 years young. Up until three years ago, I needed enough evidence to make upfront decisions because it was a four-year-old trapped in to yeah. the emotion of death. Every single person that doesn't act on things or make decisions on things has a story of where it was first impacted that has to do with fear. If fear comes up when decisions comes up, I was just able to locate mine. And once I located mine, I went back through the eyes of the little child, created a new story, forgave myself, forgave that man, let it go, and then created a new possibility that I wanted to live into rather than the same old story that was recreating my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. And we all yeah, have. I, yes. I mean, when you're saying that, I have several... Um, same, not death, not dryers, not, you know, but, you know, at a very young age, I was yelled at at like age two. And it was a source of pride for my family that all they had to do was raise their voice and I'd wet my pants and cry and do whatever they needed. Right. Because I'm neurologically, wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Right. So neurologically, anytime someone raised their voice to me, I was in danger because of the way that it was, it first impacted me at like, you know, at two when I was in diapers. And so fast forward to two years ago, 
I get on a phone call and I was a lawyer for 13 years too, mind you. So mm. I get in court and get contentious and, and someone starts yelling. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I had to get out of that profession. <laughs> like, wait, wait, like, this hear, is- what, hear what you just said. Oh my God, I'm going to die. Okay. So touche, touche. I'm going to die. Yes. <laughs> right. But you're, you're absolutely right. Because, because that was, Yes, I wasn't actually going to die, but you're right. The response in my soul was I'm going to die. So two years ago, I'm 39. Well, I'm 41 now, but I was 39. I had a grown man yell at me over a lease and I'm shaking. And a well-educated, loud woman (laughs) who tells anyone what she thinks. I mean, it took me right back. And in that moment, I was like, okay, time out. Yeah. Time out. And this is why, like in my book, I say, look, we have to look back as painful as it is, because we have to know what is going on. And if you don't, I mean, you don't want to go like relive in it because that's hard, but you have to know because once I made the connection, oh, it's, uh, it's people yelling at me because of this one incident and it's in me neurologically. And I have to recreate the story, just like you said. Yeah. And, and it is. And and so, oh my gosh, when you were telling that story, my heart was racing, my palms got a little sweaty. Um, and I know people listening are like, oh yeah. And I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to say, and recreating the story, because what people tend to do is go from the adult to the child. No, go back in. If you have suppressed emotions, release the emotions and go back and feel it because when you go into the emotion you got to get the puzzle pieces out of the box first before you can put them together and so and so when you go back into the feeling and you find an outlet for release you create the space to make room for the your next level or make room for your next blessing or make room for the the you know when when you break through a dam, all the stuff comes through. So you might have a spiritual dam on your life because of a blocked up emotions that you've had when you were four years old. But when you go back into it and you feel it and you cry the cry, you've always wanted to cry, you let go and then you just go into it, go into it. And you say, in this moment, I'm forgiving myself for being so hard on myself. In this moment, I'm going to forgive this person. I'm letting go of resentment. And from these eyes and from this heart, I'm creating the possibility of having a fun-filled, loving life where it's easy to forgive, quick to let go of resentment. And then I'm just really creating an extraordinary life. And from that place there, something in in the atmosphere, it's like the universe becomes plastic according to who you're being. Yes. Oh, so after this pandemic is done, I'm going to come pick you up and we're just going to get in the car and we're going to go on tour (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, this is it. You guys, anyone listening, this is it. You know, if you keep spinning around, like, why am I stuck? Why do I, this is it. I mean, everything Garen is saying and and, and what I've experienced, this is truth. I mean, this is truth. Oh, I feel like a, just like a relief just hearing you say that because it is so much hope to hear it and one thing i want to share is you know some people say well why some people will ask well why is this so important i've always heard to leave the past in the past 
Not if you didn't get the lesson. If you didn't get the lesson, your future will be a recreation of your past. And that's why people, you know, women will often date similar men that kind of remind them of their father that they have issues with or vice versa or man and man or woman and woman. Because here's an analogy that really brings it in. Three years ago, I went to the, the dentist and my face was the size of Thanos's from Avengers. Actually, I've got to show it to you because it's <laughs> it, it puts a lot of things in, into perspective. But my face was the size of uh, Thanos's uh, from Avengers. And when I went to the dentist, they were like, you've got to go. You've got to get a root canal. Look at this. Oh, <laughs> it, no, it's, it's I mean, in, funny, not funny, but. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I get it. It's that's <laughs> look look at that. So, oh my gosh. Stop. And then the dentist the dentist was like, well, "You got to see a specialist because it's too deep." And I'm like, "I don't understand." And so I went to a specialist, and he says, "You've got to get a root canal." I was like, "How's that possible?" Fifteen years ago, I got a root canal. That means there's nothing there. And they said, "Whoever originally did your root canal didn't get it all the way to the root." So at the core of it is rotten and you have 15 years worth of infection that's just been building up and that's what's showing up and ha- causing the swollen. And in that moment, he don't even know how much he changed my life. And I was like, oh my God, that's yeah. why she broke up with me. It was never this. It was because I never handled this because at the root of it, at the root of my life, Trying to pluck the weed from the top, it'll grow right back. But when you pluck it from the root, you can actually plant something there. Yeah. That gave me the epiphany for my life. Yes. And, you know, I had a coach who, you know, I've been married 20, almost 20 years and ups and downs. Like, I don't care who you are. Marriage is hard. Marriage is great. Marriage is hard. Like, whatever. But I had a coach who's like, you know, whether you stay married or get divorced, she said, everything is on you. If you don't figure out your crap, (laughs) your patterns, your bullshit, you're just going to take it to another relationship. She's like, yep. it is not your marriage. It is not him. It's you. And I'm, you know, I've been here. I've been getting these messages for many years before they finally sunk in. Um, but it is, it's that root that shows up in your relationships that shows up in your shitty health patterns. And yep. until you, oh, that's so, that's such a, you're great. Oh my gosh. I love <laughs> Why it. Why am I, I triggered? It. Why am I triggered? You Why did this I- to me. Or, you didn't handle your shit and I've probably been sent here to teach you your own lesson. Yes. Th- yes. Hear that again. It is coming up because you have not learned the lesson. You have not dealt with it. So me and my wife have this saying is I'll take care of me for me and you. If you take care of you for you and me, and we'll just keep leveling each other up because at some point it'll be this stuff when you know you can't see the picture while you're in the frame and then all of a sudden we'll stop and be like i need to go handle my shit and it should then my wife will be like blair will be like me too and because <laughs> we know that it's there's something that we're not handling on us and then we'll talk about it and then we'll do our whatever rituals and then we right. come back and then like what was that that came up for you and what did it activate in you? and then we have these Coming from neutral conversations, this is what came up. This is what came up. This is what came up. Okay, let's do something about us. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want an experiment in that, try and sell your house because that will like, we're, we're in the process of selling our house by owner. That just happened. Okay. So you probably had a lot of those conversations, but me and my husband, like, yeah, like sold a house having- and bought a house at the same time. <laughs> like the clash of, of money and big issues and contracts. And, you know, I mean, I see it and, and we're like, Kapow, and I'm like, okay, you're having your, you know, poor kid syndrome. I'm having my, let's just get it done. And we're just like, but when you just like separate yeah. pause and say, okay, just like what you said, what, what's going on with you on this and what's going on with me. And then just meeting in the middle, understanding someone else's perspective and caring about their experience as much as you care about your own, not more than, yeah, not less than, yeah. Like, okay. I care about your experience yeah. just as much as mine, but that means I care about mine too. <laughs> so yeah. let's figure this out. Yeah. Oh my gosh, another, Karen, so much. Yeah. I could talk to you forever, forever. This is so <laughs> good. Um, wow. I'm what a great when we have similar similar things. Like I said, yeah. I'll pick you up and we're gonna go on tour. We're gonna, I don't know <laughs> what we're gonna do, but we're gonna go do great things. Um, all right. So tell everyone where they can follow you and about your book and and anything else you okay. got going on. So um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram, Garen uh, at Garen.jones. Garen Jones, anything on any platform, any of the popular platforms. Um, my book, it's called Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life, which is every the basic everyday principles to understanding the gifts that live inside of you uh, so that you can use it and potentially produce extraordinary results in your lives. So I take all the experiences that I went through that has made me into the human I am today, but I, I took practical lessons that I learned and show you how you can apply it to your own life in practical ways. And I, you know, I, I never originally wanted to write a book. When you hear thousands of people say, you should write a book, you should write a book. <laughs> I'm, maybe I should listen because maybe this is the thing that I asked for. So it's out, it's on Amazon in Spanish and English. Uh, we're currently working on the audio books. So it's in Kindle and paperback. And, um, so that's what we have going on for right now. And, you know, I have my one-on-one coaching. I have, I do group sessions and so many other things, all things transformation. Um, and that's where we are. We're at right now. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Garen, thank you so much. This was great. And thank you for, I acknowledge you for having the, just the, the, the the will power to create space like this for stories like mine and yours to have wings so that other people out there can say me too. So thank you for it, for your gift. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the same 24 hours. Remember to rate review and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.